To stay in shape, you have to hit the pavement. You have to put in some hard work and sweat along the way. Many of the same principles apply when it comes to money. Let's whip that portfolio into shape. It's time for Financially Fit with Kyle Hammersmith. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another edition of Financially Fit. Kyle Hammersmith and myself as we talk investing, finance, and retirement. And it's spotting some red flags in your finance this go-around on the podcast. Now, you can answer these questions. We want you to answer these questions as we go along. And depending on those answers, the questions that we raise might be a red flag for you to consider. So we're going to get into that in just a second. But what's going on, Kyle? How you doing, buddy? Doing pretty well. Uh, it's starting to cool down a little bit here in Kansas City. And uh, my son's about six months now. And uh, Nice. So we're transitioning, you know, into the, the food. So that's oh, Okay. Good. Yeah. Going to the solid food. Yeah. Definitely getting more sleep. That's good. That's always good. During the night. So. Yeah, that's always oh, fantastic. Yeah. That, uh, that's, a, that's a good sign when you can get more sleep and it's a happy, happy parent. That's for sure. Uh, well, listen, let's have some fun with this. Let's talk about some red flags here and see uh, if uh, we've got, I'll ask you the question. Of course, this is for the listeners to play along, but then you tell us, you know, is it a red flag? Is it not? Maybe, you know, is it an orange flag or I don't know, maybe a yellow flag, <laughs> not quite red, whatever that case looks like. But uh, can you name all the investments in your portfolio or, or should you be able to, Kyle? If you can or can't, is it a red flag? I mean, I'm a little, you know, I go both ways on that. I mean, there's nothing wrong if you can uh, name all your investments inside your portfolio. Typically, that means you're going to have uh, maybe not proper diversification. Uh, I could see that being true kind of if you are more of an like individual stock or a person, you can okay. kind of name all of your, you know, your individual stocks that you currently hold. Right. Um, but typically, you know, I would say it's probably not very common to know all of your investments or be able to name them off the top of your head, you know, inside your portfolio, you know, because typically there's going to be, you want to have some rebalancing, and, mm-hmm. you know, so some tactical movements, you know, you don't have to be a day trader, but I wouldn't say it's a red flag, but I would say, you know, if you only have five funds inside your 401k, that's pr- pretty much more common than you kind of know what you're invested in your 401k versus like a private sector account or something your uh, financial advisor is managing for you. I got you. Yeah, that makes sense. Like if you if you only you can say, yeah, I own these four things and that's like all you literally own. That could be a red flag because then you're probably just not very diversified. So that's a good that's a good way of thinking about that, especially if it's all like you could just say, well, I own the fang stocks. Right. You know, I just have, you know, Facebook, Apple, Google, something like that. So, yeah. All right. That makes sense. So because if you. And if you have a well-diversified portfolio and you have a lot of things and you can name everything, well, I guess you could maybe think about that as a red flag. If it's totally your cup of tea and you just dig knowing all that stuff, that's one thing. But if you're that involved and that like watching everything super you know, detailed, is that the best use of your time? Is that how you really want to spend your retirement? Does that mean you're doing that because you're overly stressed about it? You don't trust the plan that you have or whatever the case might be. So just kind of think about it from that standpoint that you're not uh, obsessing. Because again, I think at the point is, is you, when you're working with an advisor, it's to take some of that stress off so you can enjoy retirement versus obsessing. So, all right. Number two, how often do you meet with your financial advisor? Uh, if you don't have an answer for this or you don't even know, seems to me that's certainly a red flag. Yeah. I think in the industry standard, I, you know, <laughs> depending on how you set up your practice, uh, you know, the type of clients that I work with, they don't want to meet with me five, 10 every month, you know, we're going to talk and go back and forth. But as far as actually sitting down and meeting with your advisor, 
I think what's important up front is just to have that communication plan built where there's expectations on both sides. Like how often are you going to be meeting? Like when are you getting together to review the plan? You know, how often are we going to communicate on adjustments in the, you know, the plan? Like at Mocan Wealth, we do comprehensive retirement planning. So we're not just managing your diversified pie chart, right? We're looking at, you know, tax returns, tax planning opportunities, income uh, planning. So there's a lot more that goes into it, but that doesn't mean we necessarily have to be meeting more often. I would say most of my clients that I've been working with for a while, we're getting together maybe once or twice per year um, Mm -hmm. and then talking about other stuff that comes up, Um, you know, life happens. But I would say like industry wise, you know, they, these advisors are working with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of households and they're not doing comprehensive planning because they don't have the time to do it. So they're trying to like cut down their meetings with their clients, you know, maybe one to two times per year. Um, but it kind of goes down to like, if you're getting together and setting up a meeting, like, what are you guys actually going over? That's kind of what's more important. Yeah. I mean, I think every, this is probably one of those ones that's truly case by case, right? So on average, yeah, you could do the once or twice a year, but I think part of having a relationship with an advisor is that if you need them, reach out to them, right? You know, set up a time to talk and, and figure out what's going on so that you can, you know, get those things handled. And I think that's some of the advantage to having Again, that advisor in your back pocket, so to speak, is that you can, you know, you could do that. But yeah, ideally, yeah. yeah. For us, it's you know, if we're if you're looking at the investment management alone, like mm-hmm. every Sunday, they're getting an email from us, kind of letting them know, like, here's what happened with inside of your investment accounts this week. Oh, gosh, um, nice. So there's different forms of communication. Like if I'm going to be meeting with somebody. It's not just to say, okay, here's what your accounts did. You know, they're up, down, and here's how we're invested because they can see that every week if they wanted to. You know, it's more or less, are we updating the plan? Are we, you know, here's some things we can consider not to do. And it's kind of just, you know, a retirement plan is not, it's a, it's a breathing document. It's not a one-time thing and we're done. Yeah. Um, So it's really, if we're meeting, it's about the plan versus the investments. Exactly. Uh, all right, so let's move along here on spotting red flags. Um, this one's kind of funny. So, are your account balances constantly moving up and down? If they are, is it a red flag? But let me let me add this caveat to this, Kyle. You know, for the last twenty years, for let's just go twenty years. You know, if you're using the S and P five hundred, you can go look at a chart and you can pull up. You know, show me a graph of the last twenty years. And it kind of starts to look like uh, like a heart monitor, right? I mean, it's pinging around a little bit. So maybe the better question is, you know, are you comfortable with your account balances moving up and down? And is that or is that a not a red flag? Because it's probably going to do that. That's kind of the nature of the market, especially over the last little bit. Yeah. I mean, do you want a roller coaster ride? Like, do you want big ups and big downs? You know, what's your time horizon? You know, if you're invested in the stock market and you're, you know, properly diversified, and you're not like a hundred percent bonds, you have some equity holdings, the stocks, you know, you're going to see the daily moves, uh, especially long-term. So that's just something we have to keep in mind is, is volatility is normal and it's not going anywhere. There's technology in, you know, in place where there's robos and all different types of stuff out there where there's going to be a lot of action, you know, during the day versus more of the buy and hold approach. Um, so, you know, account balances, when you're accumulating the money versus when you're distributing, it's very different because now you're going to be selling when the markets are going up and down. So, you know, constantly going up and down is fine. Volatility is normal. Yeah. Stock markets always go up over time. It's right. just making sure 
when you're selling, you know, where is it at? Are you consistently selling as it's going down or as it's going up? And that's, and that's something you really can't control. Yeah. And then like one type of investment philosophy that kind of helped this is one, you're always dollar cost averaging in your working careers, which works. But what happens is when you retire, you kind of stop doing that. And if you incorporate like what we do, bucket strategies and like in a later bucket, mm-hmm. it makes sense to kind of do some dividend investing. So when those markets are going up and down, you can use your dividends to buy low and high. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So uh, this one to me seems like it should be pretty obvious that it's a red flag, but I'll get your professional opinion on this. Uh, How much income will you need to maintain your lifestyle in retirement? If you don't know what kind of income you need to, and you're just planning on winging it, this has got to be a red flag because I wouldn't think this is someplace you want to wing it. I I actually think from my experience, when I'm sitting down with somebody like what we call our first visit discovery, right? most people don't know. They don't know either. Which is why they're there, hopefully, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's not so much like they're like, oh, I'm worried about running out of money. Like everybody's worried about running out of money, no matter how much money you have. Right. Yeah. Um, But it's pretty easy. It's like, what are you netting on your paychecks every two weeks or every month? Because that's what you're living off of. Like start there. You want to maintain your lifestyle and your household's bringing in 7,300 bucks net like how much of that are you spending go into your last few months and see, you know, where those dollars are going. Like one trick I always tell people is if you do have years before retirement, like for a whole year, like track this, like, you know, can you live off of what you think you can live off of $95,000 after tax? Like it's not just something you want to wing it and say, Hey, in retirement, we would like a hundred thousand dollars. I go, okay, well, are we going to have too high of a withdrawal rate out of your retirement mm-hmm. to fund something that you don't really need? So, right, right. Well, you know, what are your goals and what are you trying to do? Yeah, makes sense. You know, and and definitely a red flag because it's the income. I've heard this said before. I think it's a great saying. Right where you're thinking about this, the outcome is the income, uh, or excuse me, the income is the outcome. Right. So if you don't have any income, then what kind of retirement? are you planning on having? Because you've got to have the income needs there. And and of course, that's when you start talking about longevity and, and inflation and all those pieces. But for right now, just not knowing what you need to maintain your lifestyle is certainly a red flag. Uh, and that kind of works a little bit with this last one here. Kyle, if somebody asked you to describe your retirement plan for the average person, should they, could they do it? Most people don't even have a plan is kind of what I've seen. Mm-hmm. As far as like what I call a real plan, my, my plan is if like go, social security. If you go about it like <laughs> conventional wisdom, like most right. people's plan is save, you know, a million dollars, whatever. I'm just making this number up. Sure. Pull out 4%. That's $40,000 plus our social security income is 60. There's $100,000 of income. Boom. That's the plan. But they're not factoring in taxes. What's the most efficient strategy over 30 years? Like, how should we withdraw from these accounts? Should we take Social Security right away? Should we delay it? Should we fill up a current tax bracket? So, you know, most people can't describe their plan, but the way you should look at it is your goal should be to reduce taxes, invest smarter, and optimize your income. Now, what's in your best interest? And you kind of have to run multiple scenarios on, like, you know, maybe the number one strategy for you doesn't make sense because you can't stomach paying a bunch of taxes up front versus spreading it out over your lifetime. But if you can't look at this, you know, scenarios, you know, you can't really describe what your plan is 
So again, the goals on your retirement plan should be reduce your taxes, optimize your income and invest smarter. That's what your retirement plan should be versus 40,000 from here and 60,000 from here. Cause that's just a snapshot at, at once. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, you know, in, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but if you do have a plan, let's say you've gone to an advisor and you've gotten a plan and you really can't describe it. Is it too complicated? Have you gone and gotten some war and peace size thing that just really didn't resonate with you? Is that where maybe something a little bit more simple or simplistic is better for you? I mean, what's your thoughts there as far as like these overly complicated boilerplate type deals? You definitely want to keep it simple, but like it's, it's a complex scenario. Sure. Yeah. You know, I could show somebody, hey, if you want to do conventional wisdom, like take Social Security upon retirement, pull from your investment accounts, keep your taxes as low as possible. There's nothing wrong with that. You're not going to run out of money. But what if there was a way to put like $400,000 back in your pocket by, you know, having a different sequence of how you want to do that? Yeah. You know, does, does that make sense? And they might still say no, because... I don't know. They don't, they don't really care about how much money is left over or whatever else. So, you know, it's simple on paper. You have to keep it simple, but you know, it's kind of, it's a complex planning aspect from year to year. Yeah. I mean, what you do is definitely complex, but I think for a lot of us uh, lay folks, if you will, if we're not getting it, if we can't understand it and we can't implement it, then is it really doing us any good? Right. So it's got to have that you know, it's got to have that, uh, that synergy going on. So there you go. There's some red flags, folks. Did uh, any of those pop for you as we were going through them? If they did, and you're not already working with Kyle, well, then maybe you should consider giving him a jingle, have a conversation and see if you can get some of these under control and figure out what's going on with them. Uh, if not, then fantastic. That's great. But that's why, you know, we do the podcast, we do different things to kind of hopefully shine some light on stuff. So if you've got questions, you need some help, reach out to him. Stop by his website at mokanwealth.com, M-O-K-A-N wealth.com. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, whatever platform you like to use. You can simply type in financially fit on any of those apps. Let's say you're an Apple user. You've got Apple Podcasts probably pre-installed already on your phone. Open it up in the search box. Just type financially fit and you should find it easily. Subscribe to it that way. So lots of ways you can get in contact with Kyle and do something for yourself and your retirement. Kyle, thanks for hanging out with me. Good luck. Continue good luck on the sleek, man. I hope that continues to go well. Yep. Thank you. We appreciate it as always. And we'll see you next time here on Financially Fit. Again, reach out to Kyle if you need some help at mocanwealth.com, M-O-K-A-N wealth.com. We'll see you next time. Investment advisory services offered through Retirement Wealth Advisors, Inc., RWA, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Mocan Wealth Management and RWA are not affiliated. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. No investment strategy can guarantee a profit or protect against loss in periods of declining values. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and are not intended as investment advice or to predict future performance. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Consult your financial professional before making any investment decision. This information is designed to provide general information on the subjects covered. It is not, however, intended to provide specific legal or tax advice and cannot be used to avoid tax penalties or to promote, market, or recommend any tax plan or arrangement. Please note that Mocan Wealth Management and its affiliates do not give legal or tax advice. You are encouraged to consult your tax advisor or attorney.